everybody. What's up and welcome into Best on the Board. It is Thursday, September 2nd. It is our first Thursday episode of the season. Thank you for joining us here on Best on the Board as we get started this NFL and college football season. Thursday is going to be a college football focused day. When the NFL season starts next week, we'll get into a Thursday night football a little bit, but Thursday is for college. And to join me talking college football, I'm going to have two guests every single Thursday. First up, Ari Wasserman. Ari is a national college football reporter here at The Athletic. Ari, very happy to have you on Best on the Board for this college football season. What's going on, man? Yeah, man, it's really, really great to be on there, and it's it's super awesome to be talking about sports and not Bishop Sycamore. So, uh, you know, it's 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 really, really good, and uh, let's hope we can get some winners out there for you guys. Yeah, we're definitely happy to be talking about sports, but what a story that was. Ari, Ari reported the hell out of it. Be sure to check that out if you are an Athletic subscriber. And hey, right now, athletic.com slash best. If you are not a subscriber, that'll get you a 50% off subscription to The Athletic. Also joining us every Thursday is Dan Santaramita. Dan our associate sports betting editor, and Dan's going to be focused on college football. You know, Andrew DeWitt from Monday, he's focused on the NFL. Dan's focused on college for us. So, Dan, expecting some winners here, man. How you doing today? <laughs> I'm excited for college football to be back with the chaos and insanity. Uh, and, and we're the weirdos trying to predict it, so I don't know what that says about <laughs> us. But... <laughs> <laughs> says that we like to have some fun here. That's what we're trying to do on Best on the Board every single time that we come to you. So mostly we're going to be focused on game picks, and we're going to get into that uh, today. We're going to talk about some of the games coming up this weekend. Just a quick reminder, we're not trying to go over 10, 11, 12 games for you. We're trying to pick out the one or two games we feel best about, hence the name of this podcast, Best on the Board, and dive deep into them. And since we're still at the very start of the season, just a handful of games have been played, we're going to throw some futures bets at you today as well. But guys, let's start out with some of the games that we have this weekend. And I really see no reason to not start big, right? Why pick around the fringes? Let's just dive right in. We've got a play here coming from Ari on Georgia Clemson, the biggest play or the biggest game of the weekend. Neutral site in Charlotte, Clemson favored by three. Ari, give us your pick for this game and why you like the team that you like. You know, I've liked this game for three months. So like, <laughs> I don't know if like, I've overanalyzed this a little bit, but let me, t- let me throw a stat out at you guys. Georgia has 19 five-star prospects on their roster this year which is the most in the history of the sport. And that's literally almost a quarter of their entire roster of top-level elite talent. And if they have a quarterback that they feel good about, um, they have a path to the playoff without having to play Alabama in the regular season. Not that, that that pertains to this specific game, but it does feel like to me that the stars are aligning for Georgia this year. Now, the 1980 jokes are very, very alive and well, uh, and everybody says that they can, um, you know, pretty known for not really getting things done when they hit when they should. But, you know, I believe that JT Daniels will be a good enough quarterback. They're, they're talented across the board. Um, you know, the coach has Kirby smart has taken them to the fringe of a national championship a few years back now. And, you know, I, I feel like Clemson's last two exits from uh, the college football playoff might be telling in terms of the direction that they're headed in. So, you know, they have DJ at quarterback, obviously a very talented team as well. And, but I think that the easy thing here based on the, the recent history is just to assume that Clemson's going to win. But if you really look at the way that these talent uh, breakdowns are, Georgia is catching three and a half in, in a game where they are um, 
very, very much more talented than their opponent. So on a neutral field, um, in a game that can set the tone for the season, I have a really, really strong suspicion that Georgia is going to actually change some of the narrative of who is who in college football right now. Yeah, really a monster game for both teams when you consider that the loser sort of feels like they're on the brink as it goes into uh, college football playoff time. I mean, certainly you could lose this game, lose maybe one game, still win your conference and get into the playoff, but it does have that feeling of being a push someone to the brink sort of game and obviously a monster game between these two teams. Dan, it's not a play for you, but any thoughts on Georgia and Clemson? Well, I think that's, he already nailed it with the narrative on Georgia, right? It's people have thought, oh, this team should be a national title contender. They made that one playoff and it's been kind of not quite good enough since, right? So will they break through? This is always a statement game for for both teams because it's big in the resume, but Everyone knows Clemson is a national title contender, and Georgia's got to prove it. So, heck, when you say 19 five-star recruits, that's hard to fight against, isn't it? Yeah, and just, and just for comparison purposes, Alabama has, I believe, 14 or 13. So, I mean, we're when you're talking about a difference of five five-star prospects between uh, Georgia and Alabama, mm-hmm. I'm just trying to put into context just how good they are. And if you really think about it, uh, a hit rate – for a five-star prospect in a program, if you're getting 50% hits, which means that they all reach their potential, that means that Georgia should have 10 five-star prospects reaching their potential at any given time on their roster. Mm -hmm. And at a certain point, that talent has to break through. And I think this year's the year it's going to start. Yeah, it has to break through, and it's just overwhelming when it does. It's something that we've seen time and time and time again. So Georgia, And they're getting points. Yeah, they're getting (laughs) points, exactly. I think that's a lot of the narrative being played into it, the recent narrative of these two teams, both individually and when they get together. Georgia getting three, getting on board with that. That one's coming from Ari. Let's take a look at the other big ACC-SEC matchup uh, this weekend. And, Dan, we're going to go to you for this one. Miami getting a little bit more than three against Alabama. They're getting 20 (laughs) right now on bet MGM another neutral site game this one's being played at the Falcon Stadium in Atlanta Dan you're on the dog what has you thinking they can stay within three touchdowns here well it's just the first game of the year and 20 points is a whole heck of a lot right I mean yeah Alabama is the more talented team and I'd always rather have the talent if I'm making a bet but 20 points last year Alabama opened at Missouri and won by 19 and it was actually kind of hilarious because Nick Saban was furious afterwards <laughs> it was a game that was never close and he was still really mad so he's going to take his time to build this team up he probably would even like if they're tested a little bit and then he gets to get mad at him for a couple of weeks and get him uh, you know a little a little working a little better as the year goes on Derek King is coming off a knee injury and he's playing Alabama that is a little scary <laughs> it's probably not the team you want to play when your first game back But Miami's got some talent. They have some experience in key positions. 20 points is a lot. I'm not saying I'd take them anywhere near the money line. But, you know, Alabama's got a young offense, and it's the first game of the year. I'd expect a little bit of uh, kind of working into the season, and maybe Miami stays within a couple touchdowns. Yeah, this is uh, one of the games that you guys are picking. So every week on The Athletic, Dan and Ari joined by a couple other pickers uh, to be picking the biggest games. You can find that also in our sports betting section on The Athletic. And Dan, you're the only one of the four on Miami. So Ari, not a pick for you on our show here. Is it a pick for you in real life? And why are you on the opposite side? Why do you think Bama covers? Well, I I think that based on and here's one of the criticisms that I've had of me is that I've <laughs> relied too much on trying to predict games 
um, based on the talent ratios on these teams. Mm-hmm. But to me, I find it to be quite simple that the teams with the best players tend to win a lot. Now, that doesn't always mean that they're going to cover the number, uh, which is a completely different thing. But when you think about how much talent Alabama lost after last year, it is crazy to say, and I will say it, they are the most talented team from top to bottom in college football. So when you put that in position uh, in a season opener, I, I, I don't know that I would, you know, play that game. I wouldn't be surprised if Miami, you know, hit, but I also know that it's not really a fun feeling to be on the other side of it when you bet against Alabama and things get going. You know, it kind of reminded me of of the Golden State Warriors a few years ago when they were in the NBA playoffs. It was just like you could bet against them, but boy, when when you were wrong, it was the most uncomfortable thing in the entire world. So, you know, to me, I, I think that I wouldn't necessarily want to play this game, mm-hmm. but um, I wouldn't be surprised if Miami got there for the reasons uh, just outlined. Uh, something important that we're going to drive home for you on Best on the Board is something you can uh, see from all of our shows and something that you can read about also. We're going to let you know when we're with you. We're going to let you know when our ass is in the jackpot to uh, quote Tom Halley. <laughs> and we're we're making the bets. We're going to let you know. If we're just talking about it because you know we're having fun and trying to entertain you, we're going to let you know that as well. So you're not going to be uh, flying blind on, uh, they're talking about it, but are they betting it? We're always going to be nice and transparent about that. Uh, let's get to a game that's happening on Friday, another big game between North Carolina and Virginia Tech. North Carolina uh, looking like a potential ACC title game favorite, at least to make it there. Uh, they are laying five and a half on the road in Blacksburg. Ari, going to go to you for this one. Uh, make the North Carolina case that you would like to make. Guys, is this a trap? <laughs> I don't think I so. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you on this. I totally buy uh, that North Carolina offense. I'm with you on Sam Howell. I think this offense is legit, but it feels a little scary. I'll say that. Yeah, I, I I'm going to play it, uh, but I I think five and a half is always a weird number. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just kind of like in no man's land a little bit, where it's just like you basically need a touchdown here, and you know, I think that the idea going into this game is that it's a Friday night game. Enter Sandman. Virginia Tech is entering a, a critical year under uh, under Fuente as our coach, and uh, you know North Carolina has had some hype the last few years, but last year didn't reach the hype, um, and they've lost some pretty important offensive pieces along the way. So, you know, the idea here is that this game should be close, but when you look at the way that North Carolina is built from top to bottom, they probably have the best quarterback in college football right now. Um, they have one of the best young cornerbacks in Tony Grimes. They have some new edge rushers that they just recruited into the program last year. Their talent level is considerably higher than Virginia Tech's. And, you know, in college football, too, the the equalizer is – you know, or the the teams like to lean on is the quarterback play. And like North Carolina has a stark advantage at the quarterback position this year. So I understand it's a weird spot. It's a weeknight. It's on the road, all those things. But when you look at just North Carolina's over under for the year, win total is 10. Like this team is supposed to be legit. And if this team is legit and Mac Brown's squad is actually going to reach its potential, which it seems like it's in position to do beating Virginia tech by more than six is, is not an issue in my mind. I'm totally with you there, and I think that there's there are these games that they feel uncomfortable because they're week one games, and there's one that I like that I'm going to throw out there that's sitting at that same five-and-a-half number that feels uncomfortable, but I feel like if we saw these teams for a couple of weeks, we wouldn't necessarily feel quite so uncomfortable about it, and Sam Howell being, you know, if not the best quarterback in college football, certainly one of the three best, uh, gives them the advantage that makes me comfortable at this number as well. Let's move on to your second pick, Dan. We're going to jump into the Big Ten here. Indiana, one of the bright surprises 
surprises of the 2020 college football season. They are nice and highly ranked coming into this year as well, and they start the year against Iowa on the road in Iowa City. Who you got in this one? I like Iowa, and this is one I'm actually going to play. The thing for me is I'm just not a believer in Indiana, right? I mean, you look at what how their season went last year. They got those early brand-name wins against Penn State and Michigan teams that ended up not being very good you know Penn State started like 0-4 0-5 mm-hmm. and who was Indiana's best win Wisconsin when they couldn't score a touchdown for like three weeks in the middle of the year so like they caught them at the right time then they lost to Ohio State in a close game and they also uh, lost to Ole Miss in their bowl game which was kind of the red flag for me like all right is this Indiana team just kind of decent and not actually a top 20 team and then I was kind of the flip right this is a team that lost its first two to Purdue and then division-winning Northwestern and then rattled off a bunch of wins and kind of got underrated, I feel like, and under-talked about because they weren't in the national discussion after an 0-2 start. I think Iowa's just your typical solid Big Ten program. They do everything well, maybe not great, and maybe they don't have the talent that Ari's talking about from some of these other teams from earlier, <laughs> but they're solid and they, they play good football. And Indiana's still kind of new to this game. And this is a tough one to go on the road to Iowa. I, I just, I, I'm kind of like Ari was with, with North Carolina. I'm like, I feel like Iowa should be a bigger favorite than this at home. I'm on board with you. Everything you just said, I agree with. And also, <laughs> the one thing that I don't agree with that you said is the close game against Ohio State. Now, the scoreboard was close, oh, yeah. but if anybody yes. watched that game, like Ohio State beat them by 100 and then stopped playing, and then Indiana <laughs> yeah. didn't. Yeah. And you 28 know, at one Indiana point? Deserves all the, yeah, yeah. I mean, the game was over at halftime. So yeah. the the idea that Indiana kept fighting in that game is certainly something that you would, you know, like to pat Tom Allen on the back for to keep his guys fighting. And they had the ball uh, with a few, with I think a minute left to tie it potentially, but, you know, fell short. Um, To me, I think Iowa, we know what Iowa is. It's exactly what you just said. It's a very um, sturdy, uh, reliable, run-of-the-mill Big Ten West team that is going to be tough. And, you know, when they're tough, uh, they're always tough. And Indiana, this is the first time they're ever going to have to do it when people are expecting it. Last year was a cool story during COVID. You know, the the stretch from Michael Penix and the Penn State game to win. Mm-hmm. You know, keeping things close, being in position to potentially uh, going to the Big Ten championship game if it weren't for some weird rules. You know, all that stuff is great. But to actually do it again in a year where people are, you know, waiting for you. You know, in week one in a conference game. Uh, coming off of a major injury for Michael Penix, I just don't see this as a good spot here. And I don't know what you guys do when you're looking at the board, but I like to um, try to set the line in my head of like mm-hmm. what I would anticipate the line being. And in this situation, and even in the North Carolina game, the North Carolina line in my head was a seven or seven and a half. This one here, I think, is five and a half, six. So whenever I see the value, if you're getting a few points here or there, I like to pounce on it. I think Iowa is a, is a really good spot here in week one, and I'm not necessarily sure I'm a big believer in Indiana repeating as an eight, nine win team this year. Yeah, we're unanimous on that point, and I'm going to throw out one more Big Ten game really quickly before we move on to the futures. And to that Wisconsin team that really struggled uh, for a big chunk of the season last year, a team that dealt with multiple COVID pauses. Graham Mertz missed a couple of games because he tested positive for COVID, and that came right on the heels of him going 20 for 21 with five touchdowns against Illinois. Then he has to sit out a few weeks after testing positive. This team comes back with you know one of the best offenses I think we've seen under Paul Christ. Really like Jalen Berger, like what they've got out wide for Graham. 
Graham Mertz in uh, Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor, but it really comes back to the quarterback. Graham Mertz, uh, one of the best quarterback recruits that this program has ever had. And so I think that that can really uh, elevate what this offense does this season. It's always going to be a good defense under Jim Leonard, but it is a veteran defense under Jim Leonard this season as well. So this is one of those games that I think, you know, feels a tiny bit uncomfortable because we expect a little bit of a rebound from Penn State. It's at Camp Randall. Five and a half feels like a comfortable enough number for Wisconsin to cover. So it is one that I will be playing as well. And hey, what better than a conference game, Big Ten game at 11 in the morning central time to get things started on Saturday. If that doesn't say college football's back, I don't know what does. (laughs) All right, guys, let's get to a couple of futures a piece, or just one future a piece, a couple of futures between the three of us here. We're going to fly through these and we're going to graduate because we came in nicely, right? We've got one of us making a division pick. One of us making a conference pick, and one of us making a national championship pick. So, Dan, you are on a division pick. Give us your reasoning for USC in the Pac-12 South. Yeah, I guess I'm the boring one picking just the division. (laughs) But uh, USC, look, they're plus 170. They're a favorite, but they're not a minus odds favorite, right? So you get a little bit of juice for a team that's favored. And it's just a matter of the schedule. I understand the narrative is the Pac-12 South is really wide open. And on paper, that's probably fair. You look at the schedule, I don't think it's actually that wide open. USC has to go to Arizona State, which could be their toughest challenger. But I'm not sure Arizona State is a legit uh, contender for real. Uh, USC hosts Utah and UCLA, the other main contenders in that division. Their crossover games, Stanford, Washington State, and Oregon State. There's nothing there. Meanwhile, ASU has to go to UCLA and Utah and also has to go to Washington as a crossover. UCLA uh, has to go to Washington and host Oregon as a crossover. It's just the schedule favors the Trojans. And as we've been saying, the team with the most talent, I know this isn't like USC of Reggie Bush overly dominant team, but I think the schedule is in their favor and they should win this division and I can get some plus odds. I think they're the the uh, longest odds favored in a division at plus 170 so i'm going to take that we are no you go ahead ari what do you got i was going to say i di- i didn't see this bet and I, i'm i'm in <laughs> like i i cuz like that plus 170 is such a good number there yeah. i mean you think about it now the one thing that i would be a little bit wary of is i i personally believe that ucla is going to be a little bit better than people think and that it might come down to a rivalry game there but when you start you know talking about the schedule and the way it sets up nicely for USC, not to mention that they're clearly the most talented team in that conference, um, or at least in that division. Sorry, uh, getting plus 170 there seems like a pretty advantageous spot to me. So then am I crazy for what I'm going to throw out here? Because with Charlie Brewer at Utah, I'm, I'm on Utah. I'm on Utah to win this conference. I've got Utah plus 600 to win the Pac-12, and it's, it's, what I, it's the quarterback. I am basically buying the quarterback, and top to bottom, Sure, USC, a more talented team in the Pac-12 South, but give me who I think is the best quarterback in this division, and I'll ride with him and trust him to go into L.A. and win that game against USC, win that division, and then go on. And I think it's at least feasible that they can pull off an upset against almost certainly Oregon in the uh, Pac-12 title game. And so when I look at this, it's it's about the quarterback and the number. I'm getting what I feel is the best quarterback in his division. You get him to the championship game and then six to one odds. Like if that ends up happening, if Oregon and, and um, Utah are playing one another in the Pac-12 title game, this is not going to be a plus 600 money line for Utah. So that's basically what I'm betting on. Give me the quarterback. Give me the number that I like. That's what has me on Utah. If I'm just straight picking who wins this, I'm probably not picking Utah. But at 6-1 to one odds, I do think that the Utes are nice, uh, a nice value here. Uh, Ari, is that a, a crazy thought that I've got there? 
I don't know if it's crazy. I think it's good value. Um, do you think that Charlie Brewer is better than Keaton Slovis? I think that, uh, yeah, I do think he's better. And I think that at six to one, again, that this is something that uh, the value just jumps out at me more than anything. It's really mostly about the number. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's good value, especially considering the fact that Whittingham is known for getting the most out of his team. And I think that Clay Helton is known for getting the least out of his team. <laughs> so, like, you know, there's there's definitely, uh, you know, something there. And it's it's I guess it's a nice lead into the, the, the future that I did. I'll let you introduce it because you've got a better voice than me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, let's do it. Right? Yeah. Elevating one after the other, a division pick, a conference pick, and a championship pick, Oklahoma overwhelming favorites in the big 12 plus 800 to win the national championship make the case for us Ari. so like i don't know if you guys know this about me yet but you'll figure this out i like to kind of fade um message board posts or, or, or the way people <laughs> i talk didn't know that Twitter. about you <laughs> um and i think the idea is that oklahoma has no shot at ever winning a playoff game because they're not equipped to do it. Look at them choke every year. The Big 12 sucks. They don't play defense, all that stuff. But to me, the team has a pretty clear shot, Oklahoma, in winning their conference. You know, and with Texas being a question mark, and of course we know that Iowa State's much improved, but, you know, Iowa State's either going to have to beat them twice or beat them when it matters the most, and I'm not necessarily sure that they're equipped to do that. I think Oklahoma has a very good chance of bouncing back from a rough year with with perhaps the best quarterback in college football into at least winning um, uh, the conference and getting into the playoff as a one-loss champion at, at worst. Um, and their their defense is much improved. Alex the defensive coordinator there seems to be having things on track after a pretty horrid start a year ago. You know, they, they have the talent. They're the sixth most talented team in college football. Um, and a few of, of the teams in front of them, LSU, Georgia, and Alabama are all in the same conference. So you can say they're the, the third best, uh, most talented team when you take away the conference is going to eat away at itself in the SEC. Put that together, and you get six to one, and you put them on the field against a really, really good team. And I think at least you're putting yourself in a position. It's eight to one. Uh, sorry, not six to one. Um, for a pretty nice hedge spot, I think that they're going to be a playoff team. And I would not surprise me if they put themselves in a position to win a playoff game. And you might be sitting there with eight to one odds uh, in a national championship game. And you know, I think this might be the year that Oklahoma finally wins a playoff game. And while people think they'll never do it, I think it's a good time to pounce on it. An important strategy note there too, right? Uh, Oklahoma maybe has the easiest path to the college football playoffs. So getting that at eight to one, and then evaluating your options when that uh, when the college football playoff is set, definitely something to keep in mind. And the sorts of things that we're going to be bringing to you on Best on the Board all season long. That's going to do it for this episode of Best on the Board. Once again, theathletic.com/best will get you a fifty percent off subscription to The Athletic for your first year. You're definitely going to want to check that out. It's not just our college football coverage. It's not just our gambling coverage. It's every single thing that we do. And at the start of the college football and NFL seasons, can't imagine why you wouldn't want to get on board with that. Best on the board returns tomorrow. Me and Casey Joyner taking a look at some NFL futures. The three of us, me, Ari, and Dan, we are back with you next Thursday when we're talking week two college football lines. For Ari and Dan, I am Michael Beller. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>